Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Virtual Viewpoints podcast, produced by the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute, a division of Michigan Virtual. The aim of this podcast is to amplify the voices of those working in K-12 online and blended learning and allow them to tell their stories, sharing perspectives on their work and the continued evolution of our field. This episode is the fifth in our series documenting the FUSE Architect Project, a collaboration between the Nellie May Education Foundation, the Highlander Institute, and several other Rhode Island-based stakeholders endeavoring to design and pilot systems that promote student-centered learning. In this episode, we're talking with Pega Rahmanian, the Executive Director of Youth in Action. Pega and her team have been working with two participant schools of the FUSE Architect program to help ground their work in conversations around equity and social justice. Pega also notes that through working on this initiative, their own organization has learned and grown in areas as well. Let's dive into the interview to learn more. Okay, welcome everyone. We are here with Pega Rahmanian, the Executive Director at Youth in Action. Welcome, Pega, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, we are really excited to hear about the work that you're doing with Fuse, with Fuse Architect, and we really want to start just by getting a feel for what your organization does, a little bit about its, uh, its mission and its work. So if you could start by just providing us with that brief overview of uh, Youth in Action and, and what Youth in Action is really focused on doing. Sure, yes. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. So Youth in Action has been around for 20 years. This is actually our 20th anniversary this year. We were founded in 1997 uh, by a group of youth and one adult ally, um, really interested in meeting the need of young people in Providence. So um, about 15 years ago, we bought a house on the south side of Providence, which is um, primarily a low-income area of the city uh, and where a lot of the social services are housed, um, right on Broad Street. And uh, we've been located there since. And our mission is where young people share their stories, practice leadership, and create change in their communities. And something I really like about that mission is that it shows um, some type of movement, which I think is really reflective of the uh, process and development that our young people go through. we serve young people in frontline communities, and we define frontline as these are communities that are carrying a disproportionate share of economic, environmental, and social um, burdens. And not only are they asked to carry these burdens um, and told that they have obstacles, but they're told that they are going through this because there's something inherently wrong with them. Um, And so at Youth in Action, uh, I think the core of our work and the core of our mission is about um, flipping that on its head and saying, what if it's not you? What if it's it's the power structures in place in the way that our society and systems are set up? Uh, And so our first year of programming is really about unpacking internalized racism, which I think has been like widely understudied and, you know, not much attention has been paid to the significant impacts that internalized racism can play in young people. Um, And so that first year of our program, we really worked to unpack that uh, and build a common language and a shared experience. And then uh, the years following when students are involved, they then take that language and those tools and start to address institutional racism and oppression and ultimately um, ideological. So we're, it's a big undertaking <laughs> um, and starts with the day-to-day and the, the work on ourselves and starting with this question of who are you and then branching out from there. Um, and we serve high school-age students. 
Excellent. Thank you for, for giving us that context. That's, that's going to be really helpful for our conversation. Um, so I'm curious about how your organization got involved in working with the Fuse Architect program there in Providence. Yeah, sure. So um, I think that, like I said, we've been around for 20 years and, and really have uh, are associated with this idea that we helped pioneer this youth-led movement in the city. Um, and so when Highlander was interested in doing this project and really having folks on the ground um, and having the foresight to understand that um, to do the work authentically, it made sense to have community partners doing the work um, who, were, who were already kind of, you know, had their wheels turning and working with these populations um, and teachers. Uh, I think that we were an organization that came to mind and, um, we had been doing this work around mapping and corridor communities, um, and this, this seemed like a really good intersection of technology and student-centered learning, um, and was, was able to get kids out into the community around their schools um, in this interesting way. Um, and then we've also done a ton of work with Nellie Mae, uh, different ways, and so um, we've done work with them on digital badging. Uh, we've done work with them on other student-centered learning um, approaches and initiatives. Um, so, so it made a lot of sense in terms of partnership. Excellent. And, and how do you feel um, your organization's work and um, your organization's kind of overall mission and vision um, fit into the, the, the kind of student-centered work and the effort towards student-centered uh, learning models that Fuse Architect is really focused on, on providing and documenting? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like, m more than the words that make up our mission is, I think, the quality of it and what it reflects. So that movement piece and that momentum and, um, and the real attention to development. So I think that that it, it can't be independent from these questions and conversations about intersectionality that are happening right now in our country, um, both contextually and, and um you know, about, about social things, but also I think when in the classroom, like how do you find the intersections of all these different types of learning and approaches that are coming, coming to the surface. Um, and so I think that's what really drew us into the project and what matched our mission and, and the way that our approach is and, and, and what we see for our young people in the city is um, being able to just further that conversation and and really have youth voice at the center of it. Thanks. That again, that's that's really helpful for kind of setting setting the context. So then, I'm curious a little bit about what the work really looks like when you're when you're working with the Fuse Architect program. Um, so if you could provide some specifics on uh, how your organization might support those efforts, um, the schools that you're working with, and the the things that you're working with those schools on. Yeah. Sure. So. Um, my understanding is that Fuse Architect is, you know, has six or seven different sites across Rhode Island um, in different school settings, and um, and so I'm not, I can't speak to the other sites, but the two schools that we work with are here in Providence. So one is Central High School, and the other is 360 High School, both public schools, and um, I think we're doing something really interesting, um, and I think that with interesting comes messy. So it's been a lot of trial and error. And I think that's good, right? I think that's part of the design process um, is to like prototype it and try it out and then reflect and say, okay, how can we, how can we shift this? And that's, so that's what we've been doing a lot of in the last few months. Um, 
So the two schools, I, they have a couple of different moving parts. So there's the, um, you know, learning platform that the schools are testing and trying to use to help with the personalized and blended learning. And then there's the technology with the blended learning. And then there's our role in the project, which is really trying to ground all of that work in the community and in the culture of the school. So um, the with Central, we're working with a group of juniors. Um, and I like, I like that the two are really distinct. So Central is a group of um, juniors that really self-selected into this FUSE project um, in the hopes of creating almost like a micro school inside of Central or an alternative to what existed uh, or what exists. And so these 75 juniors, um, it's a mix of students that um, are in AP classes and curriculum and those that aren't. Um, and so you have this interesting setting and scaffolding of pace of learning, um, which I think, I think provides or like, you know, gives you an opportunity to really think about how you then do this community-based work. Um, and so we set aside about an hour and a half, four days a week at Central um, and it's project-based time. Uh, and we've, essentially adapted our year of foundational programming at Youth in Action to a classroom, which is why we got so excited about the opportunity because this was a, a next step for us. Um, we can do this work after school and out of the classroom, but can we do it in the classroom? Uh, and so that's been wildly successful and um, the students have all been really engaged and I think the teachers have been really committed to um, really integrating the social justice lens that we're using in the project-based time with their, you know, more traditional academics. Um, at 360, um, our, our time has looked a little bit different. So this, we're working with their freshman class. Um, so there was very little self-selection into that, right? This is just like the, you go to 360 and you're a freshman, you're kind of doing this work with us. Um, so that added an element of, um, just a, ch a challenge, right? Uh, and and so you had to really get the buy-in. Um, and the idea was to set aside three hours once a week, um, so one big chunk of time that would be project-based time. Uh, and so we we started off doing that and then quickly realized that that didn't work for that particular culture for a lot of different reasons, including that they're young and freshmen and they're still building a culture and community amongst themselves um, in the school. And so really having to take a few steps back uh, before diving into content. But also, um, and this was a really interesting thing, was that I would say a large percentage, maybe, I mean, I'm, I don't know the exact percentage, but it felt like 60 to 70% of the students in the freshman class, English was their second language. Um, and not like these are students that just arrived in the country. And so very, very like limited amount of English. And so we were trying to teach these really abstract concepts like identity and social justice and activism um, in English. I mean, right, English speakers, that's hard enough. And then to add the, the challenge and the obstacle of, of language fluidity was, was another thing. Mm -hmm. so, um, so then we, we've shifted gears a little bit and we've said, can we do some work around language justice and interdisciplinary work? Um, and so we're right now 
strategizing around that and planning around that so that we can launch some kind of formal project that brings all of that together. Interesting. So um, I I think you've touched on a little bit of this already, but um, we kind of like to frame our documentation of this work around challenges and opportunities as we get uh, this work underway. And um, you you mentioned a couple of the challenges that you faced or that the the, the work has faced in a sense based upon environment, based upon systems and those sorts of things. But I'm curious to know, are there any other um, successes that you have felt really strongly that you can build upon as well as challenges that you've been able to kind of push through to, 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 to keep supporting this work? Yeah, I mean, I think that, and I think this is why this work is good and why I feel excited about it is because the challenges actually feed into the successes, right? And I think if those two things are disconnected, then the work, there's something wrong in the work. Um, so all of the challenges that we've come up against in one way or another have led to a success, I think, or on their way to a success. Um, And so that's a good thing. So for instance, like I mentioned, the language barrier, it made us really stand back as an organization, but then also as this project to think, wait a second, wow, this is a massive need. Um, And as an after-school provider, we talk a lot, especially given the social justice lens that we use, we talk a lot about access <laughs> and we're not accessible. <laughs> and so we, we really took a pause and, and, and thought about how can we improve upon our programming as an after-school provider um, and how can we advocate for these students in these classrooms um, and, and ensure that they're accessing the same opportunities as their peers. Um, and so I would say that was a real challenge in the beginning, but ultimately, like, moving forward, we're really excited about shifting that and the possibility of um, access to, to all of our students in Providence. Um, I would say the other challenge, which I think ultimately will become a success, has been the buy-in. So I think that, like, uh, project-based time, though it's get- gaining a lot of um, – momentum and attention, um, it still, I think, lacks a particular validity or like um, authority (laughs) in the education world. And so um, really trying to prove that this work is valuable um, because it's so rooted in social emotional learning uh, and not necessarily academic or intellectual learning, though I think the two are linked so closely. and so really getting a buy-in from the district and, and, and from teachers and administration has been a challenge. And I think that's where Highlander has been able to really be a vehicle for, for that work. Um, they're much larger and established in that world. And so they can really advocate for organizations like Youth in Action to be doing this work. Um, so I would say that's both a challenge and a success because I think we're starting to really see a shift and a change. That's very encouraging. That, that's great. Um, so pushing through challenges and having those challenges kind of feed into successes, I'm sure, generates some excitement. And I'm, I'm curious about what you personally and maybe some other folks who are involved in this project are really excited about as you continue this work going forward with, with Fuse Architect. Well, I mean, it's... Um it's another world, right? Like that's what's exciting about it. You know, we talk a lot about with our youth, like imagine a different world and um, dare to live that different world. And so we're actually being able to do it. Um, 
I think that often nonprofits are filling in the gaps in our country and in our um, different sectors. But essentially, I, I think like to be able to do this work in the classroom feels really, um, it feels like a moment that we should really stop and, and pay attention to. Um, it feels like we're putting our, our, our walk is, our talk is becoming our walk or something to that effect, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, um, no, I, I, I totally, I, I, you, like you said, you, now you're in the door, right? And you are, right. you're helping to create the world from the ground up. And I think that's inspiring and that that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, what's really exciting about it is that it really, it really is starting to feel like a different kind of world and parameters and paradigm that we're working within. That's excellent. So before we wrap up, I just want to offer an opportunity for you to share any other thoughts that you have about the work and then uh, give folks the opportunity to check out your work more in depth at any websites or social media presences. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would just say and, and try to um, advocate and steward this, this notion that um, this kind of work is really valuable and, and is making a difference in, in this day-to-day um, in our schools and outside of our schools, and it's starting to really connect everything together. Um, and so I'm really hoping that more and more folks really buy into it and push it forward um, as opposed to feel threatened or feel um, cautious of the work. I think it's important to always be taking risks and to um, challenge ourselves to be a little bit uncomfortable because uh, I think that's where some good stuff comes out. And um, in terms of, of how to, to follow us or to check out the work that we're doing, um, we have a website, youthinactionri.org. Would love for folks to visit and um, see what we're doing. We also have a Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and all of our handles are youthinactionri. That's great. Well, we are really appreciative of the work that you're doing and uh, feel fortunate to be able to highlight the work that you're doing and hopefully bring more attention to it and, and again, kind of help um, spread that the, the impact of the work a little bit more. Thanks, Justin. Sure. Well, thank you again so much for joining us and, uh, and have a great day. You too. Once again, that was Pega Rahmanian of Youth in Action. The frameworks that Youth in Action brings to the activities of the FUSE Architect program have certainly influenced the design processes and work that's being done. Another recurring theme that arose in our conversation is that of the messiness or uncertainty when working through design challenges. It's clear that the schools, students, and even her own organization are benefiting by working through those challenges together and growing to better serve the learning process. We wish Pega and her team the best of luck going forward. Be sure to check out our episode description on our podcast page for links to more information on the Fuse Architect project, and check back on our SoundCloud channel for new episodes for this series' playlist as they become available. We want to once again thank Pega for taking the time to talk with us today, and thank you for listening. We also want to encourage all of you to make use of the resources and opportunities provided by MVLRI and Michigan Virtual. You can check out our website to learn more about all the work that we do as we strive to advance K-12 education through digital learning, research, innovation, policy, and partnerships. Visit us at michiganvirtual.org to see more. We look forward to joining you again soon for another edition of the Virtual Viewpoints podcast. Until then, take care.